the future of autonomous are not so autonomous vehicles. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Mike Elgin, columnist and author. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Tanya. I should say welcome back. It's uh, always a privilege having you uh, talk about uh, technology news. In fact, for those people who may not for some reason know who you are, give us a brief summary of your journey through the tech industry and tech journalism. Sure, I started out as a newspaper uh, writer and columnist and editor, transitioned to computer magazines around 1990, and I edited Windows Magazine for the 90s. Uh, I, after that, I um, transitioned uh, into being a, um, an opinion columnist, which is what I also did as an editor uh, of Windows Magazine. And uh, since then, I've been an opinion columnist. It's all I've ever wanted to, to do. Uh, and so, yeah, I write opinions about technology. And we, we like hearing your opinions. And today I want to talk about a very specific part of technology. In fact, as an observer and commentator on technology, how do you view the current state of electric and autonomous vehicles? Well, autonomous vehicles are not autonomous, <laughs> first of all. Uh, there's a bit of smoke and mirrors around uh, autonomous vehicles. We see, we see the predicted transition toward autonomy. So cars, especially depending on how expensive they are, the more expensive, the more autonomous they are, uh, are gaining autonomous-like features. Uh, already cars have added safety features like they, you know, uh, smart cruise control where, you know, it won't allow the car just smash into the car in front of it. It will pull. Sometimes some cars can pull over. Uh, the Teslas can uh, come to you with nobody in the car when in a parking lot uh, and so on. So there's a lot of autonomy going on. But the closer you get to actually trying to create a car that's fully autonomous, the, the, the harder it gets to actually solve that problem. And so we've all read about uh, lots of instances where there are actual pilot projects uh, w uh, w of autonomous vehicles. These are not autonomous vehicles. They are 99% autonomous, but then they have a NASA-like control room where they, people can monitor what's going on and they can remotely take over vehicles. And, and this is going to be the state of autonomous vehicles for a long, long time. But I think, the, I think what we're learning about autonomous vehicles is that it's not coming around like we thought it would. There's a bunch of things that are going to happen or that are happening now that are different from what everybody's been predicting. One of, one, one of them is what I just uh, mentioned. I think uh, probably 15 years ago, people thought, well, by, by 2020, all the cars will be anonymous and, and uh, nobody will drive anymore. That uh, not only has not happened now, uh, that will never happen. I think there will always be cars driven by people. It'll, they'll be like boats, right? The enthusiasts with a bit of money and, and a, and a, and a uh, sort of nostalgic uh, uh, love of uh, actual driving. We'll be driving around cars, and you know, they'll be just like the sailboat people, or the you know, uh, or the other kinds of uh, moneyed enthusiasts. Uh, most of us will be in autonomous cars, but again, it's going to take us a lot longer than we thought to get to full autonomy. And I would agree with that. But last April, the New York Times quoted Ford's CEO saying. We overestimated the rival of autonomous vehicles. Um, is, it, is it because of what you said? Is it because they feel like we're not making the advancements or are they just, are, is the automotive industry ready? Well, the automotive industry is uh, grappling with the fact that the 
the brain power that is required to operate a vehicle in unpredictable conditions is far beyond what, a, what, what supercomputers can even do. Our brains are amazing. Uh, and um, you know, we, even after we reach singularity where autonomous vehicles are safer than human-driven cars on uh, statistically, it, they're going to have to be a, a lot safer before people feel safer uh, in these autonomous vehicles. But the other thing is that what we're realizing is that the American way to do autonomous vehicles, the Google way, Waymo's way ahead, uh, 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 not way ahead, Waymo's probably ahead in the development of autonomous vehicles. The American way is to have the vehicle have unbelievable intelligence uh, where the onboard computers are recognizing everything. I think what's going to turn out to be the case is that the Chinese way is going to have some ad advan advantages for rapid adoption. And the Chinese way is top-down uh, sort of government-coordinated uh, 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 initiatives to make vehicles autonomous. And what that means is that you can make the roads smarter and the cars dumber. So if you imagine a, in a perfect world for autonomous vehicles, you would put sensors and 5G uh, base stations along the roads everywhere at a massive scale, and then the cars wouldn't have to be these ultimate supercomputers. They could be a lot dumber, a lot cheaper, and then utilize the, the infrastructure that's built for autonomous vehicles into the roads. I think China is in a much better position culturally, politically, and politically to, to, to have smart roads and, and dumber smart cars Whereas in the U.S., we're going to have dumb roads because it's impossible to get it. We don't even have high-speed rail yet, uh, simply because of the politics, because of all the, the way everything, you know, you can't just take people's private property in most cases to, to build new stuff. It's, you know, city governments have um, their own sway, state governments, county governments, that a national government, a national initiative would have to contend with. Uh, you have fewer people per square mile. And so it's less, uh, it, there's less of a payoff when you invest massively in infrastructure. So I think, I think China, which is behind the U.S. in self-driving car technology, is going to surge ahead of the United States uh, in terms of adoption simply because they'll be more aggressive about it. They'll be uh, more into building the infrastructure for it, and they'll be less concerned about safety. If, they want, if, they, if the Chinese Communist Party wants autonomous vehicles, they're going to get them, whether they're safer or not. And so I think they're going to be much more rapidly embracing of this technology uh, in terms of scale over the next like five years. So unless everyone agrees to let robots and the auto net do the driving, how will we realize the promise of a fully choreographed traffic flow during rush hour? I mean, I guess the big question everybody has is, will humans be banned from controls? Um, I think, you know, I think in 20 or 30 years, uh, that may be the case. It may, it may be considered reckless to have a, a, an actual human driving a car. Uh, but I think that uh, cars will become, uh, not only will autonomous cars be safer eventually, uh, the cars that we drive will become safer before those cars become autonomous. And they'll become safer through uh, the sensors that are inward pointing, pointing at the passengers and drivers of the cars and these sensors will and this system will continue into the self-driving car arena and what i'm talking about is a motion and activity uh detection technology built into dashboards will always be watching for the person the driver being distracted 
drunk, tired, or any number of other things. Uh, they'll be looking at passengers and, and people in the back seat. Are they starting to, are they getting into a fight? Are they, you know, in, in like Uber-like cars? Is there, is, is the passenger drunk and is that distracting the driver? All this stuff will be detected by sensors and artificial intelligence. Already in Europe, the European Union has, uh, has uh, ruled essentially that all cars built after 2021 will have to have basic um, uh, activity or, or state of mind sensors for cars that detect drowsiness and drunkenness. So, you know, you buy a brand new car um, year after next uh, in Europe, and it won't let you drive if you're drunk, and it won't let you drive if you're drowsy. Uh, and so that's the most fun, that's even for the cheapest cars sold in Europe. The expensive cars will go far, much further. They'll look at your state of mind, they'll look at your gaze, where are you looking? And so cars are getting safer, Cars will get safer through AI and sensors long before they're fully autonomous. That's my point. And you're saying that's 30 years away? When, when That's being done today, as you pointed out. I mean, Effectiva is, is putting this kind of technology into to vehicles today. Would you say that maybe that's closer than 30 years? And would you say that's maybe three to five years? I mean, what are your predictions, let's just say, for the next I three to five years? Well, Effectiva, so um, we we're talking about a couple of things. So self, fully autonomous vehicles that can drive anywhere without any human interaction, uh, maybe 20, 30 years away. Uh, cars that sense your emotions, all that stuff, that's happening today. Effectiva is a really interesting company uh, because what they're doing is they are using the, you know, already cars have cameras built in uh, and microphones built in for other purposes. And Effectiva is using those cameras and microphones that are already being built into cars to detect emotional state. So they're running the visual processing through AI to figure out what is the state of the driver and, and soon enough they'll be able to detect what's going on in the car generally. Uh, this, this will uh, include things like an Uber with, with you know three years, five years from now with Avectiva technology looking at through the cameras. We'll see that somebody got into uh, an Uber talking on the phone put the phone on the seat and then got out without their phone, Affectiva will go, hey, you forgot your phone. And they'll tell the driver to tell the passenger, don't forget your phone. Uh, that sort of thing. Like any sort of like contextual reality of what people are doing. So Affectiva is a really interesting company. They, they're, they're sort of like skipping a bunch of steps uh, by using the sensors that are already being built into cars. Whereas there are all kinds of other companies, which we won't hear about for a while, that are using other sensors you know, sort of heart rate monitors built in the seatbelt to see if you're panicking or whatever. Uh, uh, there, there are, uh, you know, 3D uh, sensors that are not visual. Um, uh, there's voice pattern uh, uh, sensors that can detect stress in your voice, that sort of thing. All those things, uh, companies want to convince the car companies to build those sensors into cars, whereas Effectiva is just using whatever they've got. And so uh, that makes them interesting. That makes them the leader, uh, I think, right now for emotion and activity sensing within cars. But that, that, this is really a fascinating area. All this AI, all this sort of semi-autonomous features, all just making everything safer. So cars are gonna get safer and safer and safer and this transition between the dangerous human-driven cars of yesterday and the ultra-safe uh, AI-driven cars of tomorrow will be a very gradual transition and it'll be generally a positive thing as the 
the body count goes down uh, through technology. It's, it's going to be a generally positive thing, but again, it's going to be very, very gradual. Mike, I could talk to you about this all day. Um, if somebody wants to connect with you, uh, if they maybe they want to find out more about the things that you do uh, or sign up for your newsletter, how can they do that? Uh, just go to elgin.com, that's E-L-G-A-N.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter there. You can, you know, if you're an old-fashioned person like me and believe in RSS, you can get the RSS feed from my blog. But everything I do sort of funnels through elgin.com. Thanks again, Mike. And that was Mike Elgin, columnist and author. And you should follow his, uh, he's a foodie as well. He's a gastronomad. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.